Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how you utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Nathan Cassiotis. I'm a business growth expert where I help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today I have an awesome guest. He's an entrepreneur, investor, coach, and the director and principal at Finwell Group, where he provides a variety of financial services. He is motivated to help people do better, both financially and in life. And he achieves this through sharing his knowledge in accounting, financial planning, finance, and investment advisory. And he's helped thousands of Australians financially using his 20 plus years in financial services. And he has many qualifications and experience, including being a qualified accountant, financial planner, mortgage broker, and property agent. So he has the passion and knowledge to help you do better financially. Welcome, Adam Carmody, and thank you for being on my show. Thanks, Ethan. It's uh, it's great to be here, mate. Thanks for the invite. Um, look, I uh, I I uh, have spent uh, over twenty years doing the, the being in the financial services space, and you know, I always find uh, people can get so much benefit from so many different avenues, and it's always good to get the opportunity to sit down and share some of that knowledge with someone like yourself, who's obviously got a broad base of of listeners, and as do I. So, um, yeah, looking forward to sharing with everyone today. Yeah, awesome, mate. I'm sure it's going to be great for everyone watching this today with your wealth of knowledge. And uh, yeah, you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey. Yeah, no worries. Um, oh, look, I grew up in the in a country town called Albury, which is a, a small place. There's nearly, I think it's about 120,000 people these days. Um, and it's in between New South Wales and Victoria. And uh, I, I grew up in a mechanics family. So my father was an entrepreneur. He started his own business. Um he, amazing man, very thorough, very honourable, high integrity. Um, and on my weekends and, and in the school holidays, I used to work in my father's business and uh, help with the bookwork because I was very passionate about numbers. And so, you know, as, as life went on, um, you know, my mother uh, uh, got quite ill and stopped doing the books. And so I started doing the books in my latter years of school for the business, which was helping out my dad's business. And then I ended up working with him as a mechanic and a uh, doing some of the books um, with him through through the period before I left to go and live in Melbourne, chasing my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and it was a fascinating way of growing up and learning about business. Um, you know, small business in a small country town, it's all about communication lines and doing the right thing by every person because everyone knows everyone, right? And, you know, it was, a, it was such a great upbringing for entrepreneurship because, you know, as a mechanic, um, if you don't put things back together correctly, you might notice cars don't go so well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it taught me a lot of lessons about being very thorough and trying to make sure that the system through which you do things is really thorough. You know, you put your tools back in the right place and they're easy to find later. You know, you, things don't run without fuel in them. You know, these sorts of logics were things that, that I learned from my dad and I'm so appreciative. I mean, he retired at 78. I encourage him to keep working forever, um, you know, and helped him out with his business as I grew, uh, you know, in my own knowledge. Um, when I got to the city, I got a job in a um, in a financial planning practice as the company accountant, and uh, you know, looking after the books for a planning business and learning what it was all about, and um, you know, lots of learnings there, and and you know, moved through my career through various organisations. You know, worked for a, a major bank, worked for a major fund manager, um, you know, took leadership positions in a in a very large uh, financial services group. Um, now used to be called Shadford and now it's um, it's been bought out a few times um, and now is institutionally owned 
Um, but I always wanted to help mums and dads. You know, I, I you know, no matter what I do, I always just see that you know helping mums and dads is really what what my purpose is. You know, I want to help people, help many others, and uh, that that purpose is really driving me to get as much information to people as I possibly can. The, the businesses I run today, um, they're actually focused on education first and then service later. So, you know, if you understand what you're going to do or what you're doing um, or what you're trying to do, um, you can't be the adverse effect of it. Right? So if you understand, you'll make a decision that's in your interest rather than being dragged off to do something that someone else wants you to do for their agenda. Um, so, you know, I think educate first has always been a thing that I'm very passionate about, hence an opportunity to come and talk on a show like this, mate. Um, I really appreciate it. You know, it gives me a chance to, to, to follow my purpose, which is to help people better understand what they're doing. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Love it. Uh, powerful story. And I can see some similarities, me growing up in Adelaide, which is a capital city, but more like a big country town. And then, you know, moving to Sydney to the, the big city like Melbourne. So I can see a lot of similarity there and, and, you know, getting outside of our comfort zones and really carving our own way, which is uh, really awesome, mate. And yeah, you've got a, a lot of uh, experience and, and knowledge in a lot of different areas. And I know you're, you're well phased in, in business and, and especially like there's a lot of different phases. And I know there's three key phases of business, right, that you know about and, and educate people on. So share with us what these phases are and a bit more about them. Yeah, okay. Well, um, look, having started a number of businesses myself, um, you know, I'm, I currently run five businesses um, with a few business partners. And, you know, the, the things that, that, like, I think things are a lot easier to handle when they're broken down into small chunks. And so, you know, when you're running a business, the very first thing you're going to run into is startup phase. And so startup phase, in my view, is a really, it's, a, it's really leader driven. You know, the person who's starting the thing is, it's all on them. And you really have to focus on what it is that your goal is and what you're trying to achieve and how you're going about it. So startup phase would be phase one. And to get out of startup phase, it's a lot of coping and a lot of organizing and getting yourself organized to be able to produce the thing that you're, you're doing in your startup. And, you know, I found I've been through startup phase heaps of times. You know, I've, I think I've started and closed uh, four businesses. Um, and, you know, one of them was sold, but the other three were started and, you know, failures. And, and you look at it, I look at it as actually a, a falling forward. You know, I improved a lot because we start of starting those businesses. One of them was a gold and silver merchant. Uh, I didn't tell you about this when we was when we caught up last. Um, and you know the, the the startup phase is so important to just stay on your purpose. What am I trying to achieve? What what's the big goal I have? And and not let go of it. And cope and organize, cope and organize, and eventually you get to a point where you've got enough revenue coming in to be able to start to implement systems. Now my view is phase two of a business is systems building, uh, or the systems phase I call it. And and if you use um, the analogy that there's either that somebody has to be building the systems all the time in that phase, you know, but you still have to keep the going concern going and the money coming in the door. Um, I'm a huge believer that that phase is the make break point of most businesses, because if you can't systemize, it can't have any scale, right? So we're in the we're in the danger zone here. It's the the red zone, if you like, and and in the red zone, you need to get good people around you. Now, a lot of um, like a lot of the times when I've built businesses, the success factor has actually been the people who help with the systems building. It's not the people who keep the going concern going. It's the people who help with the systems building that are the primary. And those people are going to be the people that actually um, remove the confusions and align the flows. Right. So removing confusions and aligning flows is the systems builder's purpose. 
And I'm a huge believer that if you get that bit right, very, very quickly, the uh, the business can can scale, can have things on top of it. It can have a lot more staff running the, the various roles within the business. And you'll see any business that you've seen scale quite large, quite promptly, if they haven't got the systems building phase right, um, it's, it's, it's doomed. It, it's it's uh, doomed. And so, you know, after you get through the systems building phase, you know, it gets to a certain point where the business through the systems and their use becomes sustainable, which is the third phase of a business. Now in my businesses, my five businesses, um, two of them are fully in sustainable phase. Like I literally could not be there and those businesses will just run themselves because I've got a really good leader in there. Um, you know, I've delegated a lot of the, the responsibility and the people who are in there are fully running those businesses. And, you know, that, that means they are sustainable. They will keep going as long as the, the people keep using the systems and aligning the flows and removing the confusions. We're going to end up with those businesses being here long-term, as long as they don't get innovated out of the market, which we'll, we'll talk about a bit later, I'm sure. Um, but the, you know, the other three businesses are, you know, in the middle of systems building. And I don't believe that, you know, until the systems are, what I'd say is sustainable, meaning I can step away from them and not look at changing them anymore, that that business is going to go into sustainable. So, you know, the, the, the jury's not out. I'm still very much there helping the assigned leader help me build that business. But I'm also doing the doingness of some of those businesses um, so that they, they are successful. So those three phases, startup, which is, you know, it's all on you. Systems building, which I believe is on you and another or you and many others. And then sustainable are the three phases of business that I've seen every single business owner go through. Um, and, you know, you look at some of those monolith businesses, you know, like Apple or something like that. Um, you know, how did they get to where they are from zero? And they went through startup, they went through systems building, and now they're long run sustainable. So, yeah, that's the summary of the three phases of business. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Love that. Really powerful. And uh, I love the, yeah, the simplicity of, of all of that. And, you know, one point that I'd say, like, you know, that sustainable stage that you mentioned is like, you know, under management, you've got a couple of those businesses, which is great. You don't have to do anything, um, you know, but sometimes, you know, it's great as you've got multiple businesses, but sometimes you actually may want to be involved because we don't want to just play golf every day and do something else at the same time. So at least in one of your businesses, and unless you're like, you know, uh, 80 years old, 100 years old, um, you know, you probably want to be in it. So you don't have to get everything under management where you're doing nothing um, at the same time. But I, but I love that. That's how you really buy back your time and, um, you know, be able to, to grow your, your empire and, and, you know, all of your, your wealth, um, which I know you focus on those numbers. So um, yeah, really powerful systems there. And um, I guess, you know, with me, I, I've got my, my fast track MBA system, right. Which is, um, you know, it's got three main stages, which are, you know, design, deal and deliver uh, and, and three sub areas in each of them. Um, and this is really what I think every business owner needs and every business needs to really be successful. If we start getting into a bit more of the detail here now on, on what it takes to really go up those, you know, phases that you're talking about, you know, the first phase here is the design phase. Um, and this is where I see that the three key areas are, are strategy planning and mindset, right? Where we need to know the direction we're going in, uh, how we're going to plan, you know, for our success. And, and then, you know, maybe there's some mindset shifts um, that need to happen for us to do that. So I'd love to hear yeah, your thoughts on these areas of business and, and yeah, on, on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, look, strategy, planning and mindset, you know, if you look at it as your first phase, if you think with the idea around what startups are going to do in, in strategy, planning and mindset, you know, you're going to basically go, what am I trying to achieve? You know, how am I going to achieve it? 
and what sort of person needs to be there to run it. You know, and if you could actually literally define those things out, you're actually going to find yourself in a really good place. Now, what's interesting, strategy planning and mindset then could be applied to the systems building phase as well, right? And if you think with systems building, you know, if you don't have a strategy for what the systems are going to end up delivering, you know, really what, you know, what's the point in systemizing? You're systemizing for no defined goal. Um, and the mindset that you have as a systems builder versus a startup is very different because you're working with other people now, right? You've got to start getting some reasonableness about, you know, what is that person trying to achieve and what are the, what's their role? What's my role? And I see a lot of undefined business in that particular point. You know, the systems building phase gets broken in strategy planning and mindset. Um, you know, if we define what strategy is, you know, it's what are you trying to do? What's the game plan, the big picture game plan that you're, you're about? And then planning would be what tactics do I need to implement it? You know, and then mindset. I actually think the entrepreneur mindset is something that's, uh, it's everyone wants to have it. But I think I have met a lot of people, you know, some people, um, you know, have you got a business or a job's a question I, I often have asked um, people because, you know, you're, they're in startup phase. They've been in startup phase for 10 years. They haven't been able to systemize because they're always in cope. You know, have you got a business or a, or a job? And, you know, you see that happen in entrepreneurship quite a bit. You know, I'm sure you've met plenty yourself. And, you know, for those of you who are here, you know, it, you can get out of this thing, but you've got to learn to delegate. You know, that's the, the thing, I, I, you know, the key message from me on startup phase is if you can't learn to delegate, you won't get into systems phase and you won't get out of systems phase. And so, you know, I think that that mindset piece is the biggest piece of the wheel, you know, because it's, uh, it's you know, if, if you think about a hamster wheel, it's not going to go around if someone's not pushing it. You know, and, and I think we need to get ourselves to a mindset that, that we actually, the only way to grow is to delegate. And uh, I reckon that, that yeah, that first bit that you've got there, it actually fits across all. And when you get to sustainable, you know, I, I reckon the planning piece around sustainable business, it actually becomes, you know, it's a bit, it's bigger, it's less mobile, it's less, you know, it's more structured, it's harder to change. And really your challenges around planning are always going to be to do with, innovation and change management, you know, which are, are a different area um, altogether and a different mindset is needed to tackle those areas. Like you can't change things all the time when you're in sustainable phase. Like it, it's, you know, an entrepreneur doesn't belong in a business the size of Apple going, let's change the whole business model. Let's make a phone into a set of glasses. You know, it's not, it's not that easy. You know, you don't just change. Um, so, I, yeah, I really like the way you've cut that up, um, that particular part of it. Um, Athen, it's um, it's quite a, a same way because it approaches, it attacks each of the three phases of business in a really same way. Um, the second one was the deal phase, right? Yeah, yeah, love that man. Really powerful there. Um, and yeah, you're right. Depending on the level you're at, you can do different strategies, planning, and mindset. So I love uh, how you shared that and and the things about it. And the next phase, yes, is the deal phase. So this is where I focus on branding, marketing, and sales. And this is really you know, the engine of the business, I guess it's really going to help it to grow, um, you know, over time. So I, I'd love to hear, yeah, your point of view around, yeah, branding, marketing and sales. Yeah, well, um, look, I've, I'm quite passionate about branding, marketing and sales because, you know, I actually act as sales manager for for parts of the businesses that, that I haven't got in sustainable phase. And, you know, if you look at, um, like the whole concept of a brand is a very interesting idea, particularly in startup phase, you know, what is the brand of the business is often just the leader and their personality, right? Uh, which is quite an interesting uh, situation. You know, with the 
advent of AI, obviously brand could end up being some digital version of you, Athen. You know, we, I've always wanted to be blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm, I'm going to work that out shortly. But that you know, the, the idea around brand in startup phase, um, you know, I, I honestly think it's probably you, it's you, right? And then we go into you know, uh, marketing. Um, marketing is your ability to communicate your message. You know, and and making good works well known, or making your job well known that you've just succeeded at, um, is the best way of of marketing yourself and your brand in startup phase. You know, because you're the you know in startup, often you're the salesman, you're the production manager, you're the ops manager, you're the finance, you're the HR, you're the you're the everything, right? So this this brand brand awareness of who is it that I'm wanting this business to be, um, that being marketed well comes back to your own personality and your ability to do that. And without sales, there is no business. So, you know, I find one of the main failures in startup phase is actually, um, you know, and having met thousands of business owners, um, it's always the sell heaps and then attention all goes into production of what I just sold and I'm not selling anymore, right? And then, so we have this wiggly line. So if you measure what you're doing, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, if you measure what you're doing, your sales are gonna look like this. And the downs are always when all the attention is on producing, you know, and if you, I don't know whether you've noticed this. I've noticed this in all service businesses, right? They sell, 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 sell in startup phase. And then they go crunch and the sales go to the floor and then the production goes in, right? And oddly enough, um, unless you've got a really good ability to do those two things at once, which we'll all gravitate to what we're comfortable with, by the way, you know, we all love to do particular parts of the business. Some people love doing the, you know, the details oriented, production oriented stuff. Some people love sales and marketing. You know, so I think there's, you know, there's that dichotomy that's going on as well. So, you know, in startup phase, I think we've got a real, you know, a real attention needed to put a routine around sales um, is the key thing to do in, in startup. Um, and then when we get into sustainable phase, I actually am a huge believer that, um, you know, we, we really need to put systems in around, um, you know, your sales and marketing management. What is it I'm doing from a sales perspective? And if you've done your planning correctly, you'll actually have a brand strategy and a marketing strategy that you've already done. And in systems building, what we're going to do is we're going to put a frame around that so that it's very, very, very measured in the way that it's done. So you're not wasting money on marketing because like you can spend a fortune on marketing and get no results, right? So unless you're measuring it, unless you're correcting, unless you're, you're adjusting unless you're staying relevant. Um, you know, how's your product going to be out there in people's faces? So, you know, for me, I, I find this this is the area where it's a make break point of the business again, because the person who's doing the systems, if it is the leader, if you're the systems guy as well, your attention is not on sales. Your attention's on whether process A B, you know, process A has A B C D E F G H O J K L M N O P in it, and you know, your attention comes off that for five minutes, you're not selling. <laughs> so. You get where I'm coming from. There's huge distractions from the going concern that go on. And, and I think that in your planning, you need to put time into this. You need to put time into brand. You need to put time into marketing. And you absolutely need to do it, not drop your attention on sales. So that's systems building. Jumping into the next one, which is, you know, we're getting into sustainable phase. You'll find the systems that you build and the planning you did around sales and marketing, as long as you're measured, you're then going to start to focus on brand. Because this thing is now a monster, right? You think about Apple, you think about what? Instantly, I think of ease of use, right? That's what I think of. That was Steve Jobs' mantra, you know, ease of use, you know, everyday consumers being able to do complex things very easily. You know, you, you know, I, I won't go into food brands because I'm actually 
I don't want to advertise any of them. <laughs> but you know, you're getting to you get the point that's sustainable. It's going to be a very different story. So you can see how in the phases of your business, you know, sales and marketing have or branding, sales and marketing have very different um, meanings. Um, but you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm you and I'm in startup, anyone who's listening, I'd be jumping straight on the idea of I need to be selling something now. I am my brand. I am my marketing strategy. I don't need to spend a lot of time on this stuff. Get some products sold. Get them delivered. Get your lines grooved so you know what it is you're, de you're delivering and how you're going to deliver it. That way it becomes easier to sell. The more more times you've sold your service or product, the easier it becomes to sell next time. Yeah. Love that's, that, mate. Yeah, that's the deal phase. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I'd love to just delve maybe a little bit deeper here on, on one area, right? Because I think I see... Like, yes, sales, I agree, is the most important skill, right? And we need, so we need to build that as ourselves or then eventually our team um, to do that. Um, but I think marketing is where a lot of businesses, you know, fail, right? Because without getting the leads in to the system, you can't necessarily close the sales, right? Even though it's the most important. So I think marketing on how you do that is a really powerful thing. So I'd love to hear from your perspective because you've got some large businesses here and there's, you know, there's a thing called like a marketing machine, you know, the term and things like that, where you can, you know, know if you're going to put a certain amount of money in, you're going to, you know, get something out of it right there. So what are your thoughts and some tips around how we can think about, you know, having a marketing machine, you know, for our business? Yeah, well, um, the I, I'm a really huge believer in the concept of survey, right? So I don't think if you if you don't know who you are trying to talk to, your message is never going to get across. So what I would what I would suggest that you know anyone needs to know is you know and and people talk a lot about this whole concept of a client avatar, right? So who bought off me last? What did they think before they bought off me, and what led to them finding me? You know, so a good, quick five-question five, five question survey at the end of a purchase, you know, we use um, Net Promoter Score in my business, right? If you know what Net Promoter Score is, Net Promoter Score is when you measure the propensity of someone to refer to you, refer you to their friends or family at the end of the service that you provide. That's what Net Promoter Score is. And the higher the score, the more propensity for them to, to refer. Now, if you do surveying correctly, you can get the Net Promoter Score, which is obviously an advertisable thing and also tells you how many people are raving fans of your product or service. Gives you feedback on the process that you've just delivered and whether you can improve it or not. And then it actually allows you to share the good works well-known in testimony or testimonials, right? So I believe surveying has those three components in it, right? which is the ability to market, I did a good job. The opportunity to change if something's broken and the reason someone bought off me. Right. And if you grab those things, you'll then be able to understand what a marketing message is. Now, the amount of business owners I see that they just build a website and they think, oh, I can do a lead funnel and I'll get all these, it'll be leads for days, you know, and there's a lot of marketers out there who are selling that idea to people too. Um, but, you know, without a, without a good solid survey of what it is that you're trying to sell, who you're trying to sell to, and a good understanding of the, the need you're trying to fill, um, you know, I, I believe it's going to be very hard to market your product, especially if you're in a very busy universe, you know. You look at how many messages we're getting every day, everywhere we go, you know, you jump on your socials, you've got a bazillion messages from various, you know, organizations and, you know, the way that the, uh, that we're fed information these days, you know, we're, we're definitely not short of, um, of things being fed to us to put our attention on, right? So what we need to do is find out who your customer is, know what that avatar is. And then the marketing void that you need to get into is how do I communicate my message to that person? What product or service am I selling? Where's their buying decision made? How do I get myself into the lead into that buying decision 
to be able to get that product in that person's hands. And, you know, having met thousands of business owners and seeing the various ways people market, you know, for example, in financial services, I know for a fact that I want to deal with people who want to be educated, right? I want to deal with people who want to be educated. This is my purpose, right? Help many people, help many others, right? And creating financial sanity for people. Uh, my two, two, you know, one of them is my, my own purpose and the other one's my business purpose. That business purpose can't be met if I don't meet people who are willing to read and learn. So where am I going to go with my marketing? I'm going to go to my avatar as someone who likes to read and learn. So I'm going to go find those people. So how do I find those people? I put out content that's educational. I consistently um, and thoroughly educate when I meet people. I obtain testimony from people who like to learn and grow. You know, it's, it, these things all add up to further furthering the message of, hey, we're a, you know, we're a help group. We're trying to give you guys a hand in better understanding things. So, you know, if you're in a, a different service, like if I was in cybersecurity, for example, what would I do? You know, I, I want to show people how I bloody stop them from being, being taken advantage of. You know, I want to protect their data. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put out content that's going to be to do with this. If I'm in business consulting, I'm going to run a podcast and I'm going to interview people who are successful in business and share that information for my public. You know, um, I, so I totally agree with you. You live and die by your marketing. Um, and your ability to convert those people initially. But you know what? If you were the most amazing, here's a question for you, I'm going to return it back on you, Athan. If you were the best marketer in the entire universe, right, you would have more work than what you could deliver, and you have a lot of very unsatisfied people. So I want people to think with this, because I actually think it's a really good thought, is if, if you get so successful in your marketing, Athan, that you have too many people to service, your price is going to go up, right? There's a demand. Yeah. Because there's so much demand now. Athens time's worth blah. So what are we going to do? We're going to try and organize ourselves so we can deliver to more people at volume so they get the value that you have to produce. And so maybe sub-introductory services, you know, things that don't require a lot of human capital to deliver. You know, and this is a great marketing tool, guys, is, you know, get yourself introductory services that give people insights in regards to how they could be served by you. And that way it's a small rock, then a bigger rock, then a bigger rock, and then the, you know, the lobster, if you like, or whatever. Um, you know, so, so I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the whole concept that marketing is, a, is such an important element, Athen. But I also think the belief of the business owner and their ability to deliver on a quality marketing campaign at the end of it is going to be the, the mainstay of whether it's successful or not. And, and it's interesting, like if you think about the business as a, as a pipe, we're only going to attract enough leads to be able to go through the pipe because if the pipe gets smaller what's going to happen the lead enough dissatisfied people are going to tell everyone that they were dissatisfied and then your lead funnel gets smaller to meet your business it's like an energy isn't it like so if we can get ourselves to a point where we actually see the we're, we're going to meet we're going to meet our frequency uh, you, you believe in frequency do you definitely yeah I reckon if we all think about it like we're just a big radio station and our radio station is going to go at the tune that we're able to operate at and the better you get in your ability to communicate what frequency you're at you'll attract the people who are ready for your service um and it's you know the one thing i will say to everyone who's listening if you don't outflow if you don't outflow you won't get leads so you gotta you gotta have a constant like the marketing machine that you mentioned that was a very good comment um, if, if you don't have a machine outflowing for you, 
you need to start one so that then you're always required to be selling to get more business in the door. Because otherwise it's the pulse of your business. It's the blood through the veins of your business. We have to be selling all the time. And I've made this mistake a number of times, Ethan, um, where I haven't marketed well. I've changed my marketing strategy from a successful marketing strategy to a poor one a few times because I love changing things. I'm obsessed with change, you know, and I learned some great lessons there. Um, and, you know, to, to be fair to, to the audience, I think that, you know, people see successful people and they see this, you know, hey, that's an immaculate example. And I can tell you underneath that immaculate example is some terrible decisions that they were willing to work through and persist on. And, um, you know, marketing is an area where you can make break your business. And uh, I really do encourage people to put in a lot of work around their planning, around their marketing strategy, especially if they're in systems building. Um, make sure your marketing strategy stays in. Do what works, not new things untried. Right? Do what works. Whatever worked to get your sale before will work again. It's not like, you know, you don't make miracles in selling, particularly in the service businesses. Um, you know, do what worked would yeah. be the thing I would say is the biggest tip. Yeah, I love it, mate. It's a really powerful section. I love all the, the details and the specifics that you said there. And yes, as entrepreneurs, we can get that shiny object syndrome and go, oh, let me try all these other things. But that can take us away from what's actually working. So make sure you continue to do what you're currently doing, but maybe test other things. And Adam you know, talked a lot about testing there, right? Because there is a lot of testing in marketing there until you sort of, you know, crack the code, so to speak, on your business on what's going to really work in that machine so you can move people along that phase. I loved, um, yeah, delving deeper into that. And now let, let's talk Talk about the the final stage of, of my uh, model which is called the deliver stage where you know i focus on numbers systems and leadership and this is really yeah as we're going through your um phases there right is these really key components of making sure that we know and i know numbers you know obviously is a really strong point obviously with um with you as well um so i'd love to hear yeah generally um you know your thoughts on these but maybe um yeah delve a little bit more into the numbers initially first because all of these are all, all big topics in themselves yeah they really are um look i'll probably start off by by saying um you know numbers are the key to systems and they're also the key to leadership like everything in life comes back to numbers actually if you really look at it and um you know i, I think the, there's a mantra what you measure gets done Right now, I've met people who've had very complex measurement structures within their businesses, and it's made a very cumbersome situation. So I think numbers are only useful if they're, numbers are only meaningful if they're used. And so I believe that the best way of using numbers or thinking with numbers is actually to get a person responsible for every number that you have in your business that you measure, because you need a person attached to the number. So that would be what I would say would be the first key metric. Now, when you're in startup phase, there aren't many numbers, right? There's the, your numbers situation is going to come back to how many leads am I generating? How many people am I trying to sell to? So, you know, prospects to lead. How many people am I trying to sell to? What's my conversion rate? How many, how many did I sell to? Then what did I get paid? And then has it been produced? And when it went out the door. And then you can have an error ratio, but really you don't need to. So there's really four... Four set like four numbers there that aren't too difficult to track, and and if you're selling your product correctly at, at, for something that will deliver at a price that will deliver a profit, you'll then be able to measure your profit and go right now I know how much it took me to deliver that amount of service, you know. And if you look backwards on your numbers around your financials, you'll be able to see whether your startup phase is producing your return or not. And if it's not, what do you do? You change one of the metrics. Did I have enough leads? 
Did I set enough appointments? Did I close enough deals? Did I produce enough of what I sold? Right? And you just keep running those numbers until you get to a point where you've got a system for measuring what it is that you're doing and garnering the success of it, doing more of what was successful and less of what wasn't. And it's pretty easy if you've got those set of, that set of numbers. And that's what I've done in every business that I've done in startup phases, you know, measured leads, measured conversion on leads, measured pr production of what we did with the leads, and then looked at the financials. So that's kind of a very basic framework for what you, what you do in startup phase. On numbers in sustainable, we're going to get into a little bit more complexity, right? Because we've got a systems builder there. So what numbers make the greatest difference to my bottom line? And so we start getting into more complex numbers and bigger measurement of those numbers. So instead of just measuring how many leads do I generate, how many people did I try and sell to, and whether I sold to them or not, I would go, what did I do to get those leads in? And how much of that do I need to do to get more leads in? Right, because there's, a, there's a, a point of optimal output to get a result. So you want to, you're wanting to test until you find out what that is. You know, you can send out 50 emails on you know, uh, meet Athen and have a chat with them about, you know, management consulting for their business. And I know you're magnificent at it, mate. Um, but, you know, you can you can send out only so many emails in that particular area to, to get a, a certain amount of reach. And there is a point, you know, we've, we found out, you know, I think it was 300, um, you know, three, 300 emails to our existing database and we got, we elicited the optimum level of response. But you just we just did it enough times to then go, this produced that many, 400 produced this many, 200 produced that many, 120 produced that many, 400, you know, and so on and so forth until we found, oh, wow, that one there got, you know, 19% open rate and blah, 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 blah. And so you kind of, you get a bit more complex in the numbers around lead gen. Then you get a bit more complex in the numbers around sales because you might have more salespeople in, in systems building phase. So you get a bit more into the sales, sales metrics. How, how's our closing rate? Do we need some training? How many appointments did they sit? How much sitting around time did they have? What time did they work? How many hours are they working? You know, these sorts of things. You start to get into a bit more of a sales, you know, the more people you have, you get a more of a sales management approach to what you're doing in systems building phase. And then you come out of, out of that and into the production area, right? And you're starting to go, you know, the in processing and out, uh, you know, how many, how many times did we get a sale that came in? How quick did we produce the pr product or service or whatever it is? And then when did it get out the door or finished? You know, if you measure that, the timing of those, you can start to improve them, right? And so in, in systems building phase, you're going to get the numbers and you're going to use them to create efficiencies. And as I said, what, what gets measured gets done. So, you know, you'll make someone responsible for each of those metrics and the delivery of them. And the bigger you get, the more specialized those metrics become for that particular job post that you've got in your organizational chart. Right, then we jump over from there with the numbers into... Um, you know, we're getting into sustainable phase, the numbers board that you have for a sustainable phase business might be 25 numbers or 30 numbers or 50 numbers. And those 50 numbers will each have a person attached to them and their output so that that person can then own that statistic so you can better manage that person. And also by having measurement, how much more satisfied is, satisfying is your job when you can measure the direct outcome you create so this comes to culture and leadership right how much better is a place to work when you know what you produce has added value and yeah. so i think without measurement and i see a lot of businesses 
you know, they have measurement without systems. And I'm like, what's the point in measuring without a system? So going to the second part of what you were talking about, which is systemization and systems covers, you know, the three phases of business, but to less of a degree in startup, to more of a degree in systems building, and then to an enormous degree, it goes to leadership as the issue or, or better wording for it because leadership is very different than management. Management is the key to systems in sustainable phase. Management, right? Not leadership, management. And management being aligning the, like suppressing the confusions and aligning the flow of, of traffic through your business is what management is. That management of your business is is increased in volume and requirement as you go through startup into systems building to, to a much greater degree and then enormously in sustainable. So you can see how systems get more thick, more long on the ground. There's more rules, there's more gates to go through as you get, as you grow in maturity as a business owner. And the two businesses that I've got that I don't actually have to participate in anymore, they are so systemized, it's not funny. Um, they are sustainable. They have a manager on every statistic, um, you know, over the top of the person who's doing the doing this. So it's kind of the, the, the differences between that business and one of my businesses in startup phase is that I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm in the deep end of the pool, swimming around in the, in the pool, you know, trying to organize and keeping on innovating and, oh, that didn't work. This didn't work. And it's all on the fly without measurement, you know? So I think systems, um, in your context here at Athens, you can look at systems as part of your your review. You know, it's like, and, and I think that from a project management perspective, I really like the way you've set up your three, three sections, um, you know, with the three parts, because I actually do think that you could literally go around in a circle through these parts and come back to systems and come back to systems and come back to systems. And the fact you used numbers before, I was quite impressed because, you know, without numbers, how, how valuable are the systems? You know? Definitely. So, um, you know, then we get to the last bit, which is leadership, right? And, and you know, if we look at leadership as a thing, you know, what is a leader? And I, I've heard this question asked a lot of times, and I, I would reverse the flow here, but I'm sure you've talked about leadership quite a bit um, on your show, mate. Um, I'm a huge believer that, you know, um, people are led by people who inspire them, right? They're willing to be led by people who inspire them. So, you know, um, all those business owners out there who are watching this, you know, are you someone that your people who you work with want to be like? You know, do they want to be like you? Will they follow you into battle to get things solved? You know, will they? And if they won't, why won't they? You know, do you have people who are really on the bus or not? You know, and I think our ability to lead comes back to our ability to communicate. Um, you know, I still know uh, the, the talent that work in my business, the, the, the fantastic people who I'm so lucky to have. I'm really blessed. got very low staff turnover. Um, they're great people. They're good humans. They want to help people. Um, you know, and, and I talk to them about that every day and I, and I show them, I don't tell them, I show them. So they see me make decisions. I town hall when I have to handle a problem or a complaint, you know, and I, I've changed the word complaint, um, to the word opportunity in my business, you know, because it's an opportunity for our business to be better. Someone is honestly giving us feedback so we can be better. Now, the problem with being in startup phase when you're a leader, you're everything. All roads lead to the, uh, to the manager, right? All loads, any confusion goes to the manager. I talked about that before, you know, your manager's job is to align the flows and remove the confusions. 
through your business. So if that's the manager's job and there isn't any managers and you're in startup phase, who's aligning the flows and removing the confusions? It's you, right? And if it's you, you're going to get really stressed. Like I've seen some very stressful times, you know, when five or six things go wrong at once, I've seen people get overwhelmed, right? So I think that one of the biggest tips you can have as a leader is to remember that your brand as a business is worn on your chest. You are the super, super human in your business, the superhero in your business that keeps it going. So what we need to do is we need to project that being onto our group all the time that I am someone that will inspire you and help you and make sure that this business grows and you will do a great job with me because I'm going to help you do that. And if you don't have systems, processes, you don't have what you need, you don't have the tools to do your job, I'm there. You know, I'm there. I'm the, I'm the problem solver. And when there is a problem within my business, there's no problem that's too much for me. I never say no to my talent when they ask me for help. I just ask them questions. How could you solve that? How could you solve that? If you solve your, your talent's problems for them, you, it's a recipe for being so overwhelmed. It's not funny. So, you know, you come, when you come through my door to talk to me, like, you know, imagine you're the CEO of, of, a, of a 10, 15, 20 people group. If it doesn't say in your door, um, this room is for you to deliver the solutions, you to deliver the solutions on coming in, tell me how to solve what you're about to ask me. If you haven't done that thinking, don't enter. Yeah. And what do you get? You get a bunch of inspired people who want to give you problems. When they give you the answer, you know, you might have, have you um, read Extreme Ownership? Uh, yes, yes. Extreme Ownership, yeah. Cracker of a guy. Um, you know, the whole idea of giving people responsibility. Like, we're, we're, responsibility and accountability is the key to leadership. You know, it's okay to not deliver if you're willing to communicate with me about it. Because, you know, there's either willing, there's willing and able, there's unwilling and able, there's unwilling and unable, <laughs> you know. Most of the people who work within your organization already, I found, are always willing and able. They've just got confusions about being able, right? Because if they're, if they're willing, there's always an ability to train and help the person. Um, I've been through this quite a bit. We've got a few businesses that we've been working with over the recent period, Athen, and there's been some tough conversations. They were just unwilling to have. They had very unwilling people who were able, who were working for them. Very unwilling. And I was like, if you've got people who are unwilling, your ship's going to go slower forever. You've got, you know, bags of weight of sand in your business that's making you not function. And the amount of times it's just, it might be only a couple per business, but every business that I meet, whenever we put in measurement, we ever put in numbers, you put in numbers and all of a sudden people resign and you're like, those people don't like being measured. Why don't they like being measured, Athen? You know? It's, it's a, it's, why don't they like being measured? <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, mate, I love this topic. I, I, you know, I really like the way you've set up your, your management, your, your management consulting structure. I think it's, it's very valid. It fits all the phases of business and, you know, super passionate about it. Yeah. Awesome, mate. That was a lot of gold that you shared there. I'm sure everyone's, uh, hopefully they've been writing notes and stuff of what Adam shared with us there. And I loved about the leadership part, right? Because that's the big thing. We can't do it all ourselves. We need to grow and, and our team and, um, you know, even, you know, there's a mindset element, you know, I talked about before, but there's a coaching element here because what Adam said there was he, uh, he makes them into a mindset of being solutions focused and he asks the right questions to them. He doesn't do the, the mentoring side and give them the answer. He asks the right questions, right? So understanding 
that is really, really powerful because um, questions are the answers a lot of the time and being able to, and sometimes when people come to you with what it is, it's a surface level thing. You actually need to dig a bit deeper because there's a deeper thing um, there and, and understanding that. So, um, you know, I, lo I love all the coaching side. Obviously, I help the business owners, but I also empower them to be able to ask the right questions to their team. So, um, yeah, so much value, mate, that you've uh, shared today. I loved all of this and and how you intersected it with the three phases of business. It's so powerful and, and can really help anybody at, at you know, any stage in their business. And I guess as we're wrapping up here today, um, what one key piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs watching and listening today? My biggest tip would be to never go past anything you don't understand. It's a mantra of, from my from my father. Don't go past things you don't understand. If you don't understand it, stop and, and ask. You know, because there's so much gold. And, and I learned this the best from my talent who worked for me. Like if they've got a reason that they're doing something, just ask. Like it's it's actually okay. There's you know, there's no really ugly question. Hey, you seem like you're troubled. What's up? You know, I, I don't know why you're looking that way. Or, you know, I'm talking to someone like you, Athan, and you say something. A lot of people aren't willing to ask. Oh, I'm confused about that. Can you tell me what you meant? Well, the amazing things you learn from asking questions. It's, uh, you know, the world is is a, is just full of unbelievably talented people. And, you know, you ask the right questions and you can find out some amazing things that could well change your, the trajectory of your business and your life. So, yeah, don't go past things you don't understand. Yeah. Love that, mate. I completely agree with that. So, so powerful. And uh, yeah, we connected through our networks where uh, I learned about your awesome journey from, you know, starting financial planning with so many different businesses and now being the director and principal uh, at Finwell Group. Uh, you know, you're an amazing guy, an awesome guy and, and so knowledgeable and so much value you've shared here today. And I'm sure you'll continue to help people do better both financially um, and in life. And I'm very grateful that we connected and I look forward to working with you. So Adam, how can people find you get in contact with you? Yeah, no worries. Um, so we've got a website, finwellgroup.com.au. Uh, we're also on uh, on Facebook and, and Instagram. It's, I think it's at Finwell Group. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of giveaways there. So jump on, feel free to grab the list, which I, I created some time ago. Um, been running that for many years. It's a, it's a freebie, but it, it really is. If you implement that into your life, it'll, it's a game changer. So um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Athen. It, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I always love talking to you and look forward to catching up again soon, mate. Be great. Yeah, awesome, mate. Thanks, guys. Definitely check out um, Finwell Group uh, with websites and socials and the, his giveaway there is so much value that um, Adam provides to his clients and just everyone out there. And, and thank you to everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube as Ethan Cassiotis or visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. And if you want to grow and scale your business, you can reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. And I completely agree with you. Or do I? The only way we know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results.